It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Last Sunday, more than 124 million people cast their vote in an election that could change the course of climate change. Hello, good evening. It's 11 o'clock. This is Times Radio. I'm Daryl Morris. We'll be live to Brazil next, where the final few votes are being counted and ratified. It will be in Brazil on a frantic... Just minutes later, the news came through. Brazil had elected a new president. It is one of the most stunning political comebacks of former president Luis Ignacio da Silva, or Lula, once jailed on corruption charges, returns to lead Brazil. After four years of environmentally destructive policies, this election was seen as the last chance to save the Amazon. We're fighting for our rights to our land, even in court. However, if Congress continues with its plans and weakens the protected status of all indigenous territories, we'll lose our land for good. But when it came, Luna's victory against the far-right incumbent, President Jair Bolsonaro, was by the slimmest of margins leaving Brazil with a society that's bitterly divided. As the results came in, protests erupted. Police fire tear gas at Bolsonaro supporters, blocking off highways across the country. Fired up on a mix of right-wing patriotism and a hatred of the left. So will this election be the end of Bolsonaro? And is it too soon for the lungs of the earth to breathe a sigh of relief? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, has the election in Brazil helped to save the world? Well, I was in the, the centre of this city, a massive city of 22 million people. And yes, it was a very exciting few hours. On Sunday, as the election results came in, Stephen Gibb, our man in Latin America, was watching in Sao Paulo. 
Brazil has this extraordinarily efficient electronic voting system where it managed to count 120 million votes in about three hours. And they do it in live time. They come through live so you can see every fraction of percentage going up. And these two candidates, President Bolsonaro, the incumbent, and former President Lula, his challenger, were neck and neck for the best part of two hours, just just a a percentage or two between them, with Mm. Bolsonaro ahead for most of the evening. But at eight o'clock local time, or a bit before that, Lula crept ahead, and you heard quite a few cheers across this city. And then about 40 minutes later, the electoral authority here said Lula had won. He'd won by under 2%, the narrowest victory in Brazilian electoral history. And this city kind of went wild. I mean, it's not a totally Lula-supporting city, but when you've got 22 million people, you've got quite a few million that do support the rival candidate. There were fireworks, there were cheers, there were shouts. And then there was, later on in the evening, a huge party in Avenida Paulista, a sort of iconic road through the centre of the city, and tens of thousands of supporters of the man who is going to be president when he's inaugurated in January. It sounds extraordinary. So celebrations across the city. But given how close it was, there were obviously an awful lot of people who won't have been happy with the result either. Tell us about the the vanquished candidate. Tell us about Bolsonaro. You know, he's one of the reasons this election drew so much attention from the world's media. Just remind us of who he is and a bit about his presidency. Yes, Jair Bolsonaro has been, over the last three and a bit years of his presidency, one of the more controversial world leaders. He's exceptionally outspoken. Sometimes he's called the Trump of the tropics. He's a a bit of an ally of, of the former US president, and there are plenty of similarities. He's pro gun, he's anti abortion, he takes this kind of dismissive attitude to some of the threats to the world from from the COVID-19 pandemic to climate change. He kind of speaks his mind the whole time. And he's popular. Abençoe meu Deus! Abençoe meu Deus! O da República! Muito obrigado. Thank you, God, for guiding me in this difficult mission and entrusting me with so many people. Pelas mãos de muitos senhores and with the job of leading the executive. Victory is ours because Brazil is the land of the Lord. There are a lot of Brazilians that are quite conservative. Many are evangelical. And his, you know, anti-woke, anti-leftist message did sort of resonate with a whole lot of them. Certainly here, he also grabbed headlines when the pandemic broke out. Yes, Bolsonaro was one of the few world leaders, perhaps alongside Donald Trump, who was a bit of a COVID denier at the beginning. He described COVID as a, as a little flu. He said that Brazil was the sort of country you couldn't possibly lock down, given that a whole lot of people have to work every day and they depend on that for their very survival. 
He made jokes about vaccines, saying that he was worried if he took one, he might turn into a lizard. He insisted on not wearing a mask most of the time. He said he was never vaccinated. And COVID had a terrible toll on this country, almost 700,000 people killed. So, of course, you know, there are other people on the other side of the argument who agreed with him, who sort of thought that his anti-lockdown policies had worked. But it certainly made him a even more controversial on the world stage, that particular attitude. But he also has been alarming for plenty of people in Brazil and outside Brazil, particularly probably because of his attitude towards the environment and most specifically towards deforestation in the Amazon. Tell us a bit about that. How bad has it been under Bolsonaro? What has happened under Bolsonaro is that the rate of deforestation has started going up. Over the last decade before he took office in 2019, it was still high, but it was going down pretty relentlessly year by year after having been exceptionally high about 20 years ago. Now, that fact, combined with the reality that Bolsonaro was consistently saying that wasn't happening... That sent shockwaves around the world because the Amazon, 60% of it is in Brazil, but it is an important part of the equation of the planet of how we're going to tackle climate change. And the idea that an irresponsible leader was not really caring about what was happening to the Amazon was particularly troubling. And there was possibly a reason why he appeared not to care, and that is that a whole lot of people who support him are in agribusiness and a lot of them are in the Amazon region. And those are the people that are cutting down the forest, which then eventually becomes places where there's cattle ranching and the rest of it. And what was his attitude to the indigenous people in Brazil? His, his argument really is that um, NGOs that say, look, we must preserve the forest, partly for the human rights of the people who live in it, He once said, I don't agree with that. The indigenous people I've spoken to when I've been to the Amazon, all they want is television, uh, internet, even blonde girlfriends, he once joked. And that actually, while being totally flippant remark in many ways, actually is a glimpse of what he and a lot of people on the right wing in Brazil feel. And that is that should we preserve the forest and the people in it, forever? Or should they be part of the development of the entire country? He's, of course, hugely unpopular amongst the indigenous community, most of whom do live up in the the north of Brazil. But there are small patches of virgin forest still within this huge uh, metropolis. And I went to see one, of course, just like the Amazon, but on a much smaller scale, it is also threatened by development. In this case, developers are about to try and build 11 apartment blocks. And when I was there, I spoke to a man called Tiago Caray, who's one of the indigenous leaders of that little patch of land in Sao Paulo. And I asked him about what he felt about the idea that Bolsonaro and others put forward, that really the indigenous people all want to be integrated into the bigger Brazil. Dizer que a gente quer ser integrado. He said that that idea is a mistake. É um, um erro. And there are a whole lot of indigenous people who voluntarily really want to isolate from the rest of the country. And they don't want access to the life of what he called were non-indigenous people. 
because they know the damage that does to their spirit. So, Stephen, that's the backdrop to this election. You've got a president who was known as the Trump of the tropics, a populist, anti-woke, politically incorrect, very much right-wing president. And as a result, I think a lot of the coverage and a lot of the attention from around the world has been about watching Bolsonaro lose this election. And there hasn't been that much about the winner, the new president. So remind us a bit about Lula, because for him, this victory is a remarkable comeback. So what's his background? Well, Lula has an absolutely extraordinary background that would make an epic novel, really. He really is one of the few leaders in the world that can genuinely say he has experienced real poverty. He was born in 1945 to a family of seven. Age 12, he was a shoe shiner. He only learned to read age 10. I lived in a room and kitchen with 13 people, so I'm aware of what the population is going through. He then worked in a in a metal factory making auto parts where he lost one of his fingers and that, he says, persuaded him to join the union and he went on to become a leader of the union and that was the sort of platform from which he went on to become president, elected in 2002. More than just a president, a star that drives crowds wild. It's bigger than a new year, bigger than a new World Cup. Politically for Brazil, it's a new era that begins. The first leftist president in the country's history. The first ever president of Brazil from a working class background and a rather well-timed first term there because it coincided with a big shift in the global economy driven by China's thirst for commodities, of which Brazil has a whole lot. And he was sort of able to ride that, and he became famous for using this booming economy to massive social spending to lift a whole lot of millions of people out of poverty. So by 2006, when uh, he bumped into Barack Obama at a conference, Obama quipped, man, you're the most popular leader in the world. And he pretty much was. By the time he, he finished his second term, there was close to 90% support for him. But it didn't last. What goes wrong? Well, after that second term, Lula's successor was someone that pretty much handpicked by him called Dilma Rousseff. Under her watch, for various reasons, things started to look a little less rosy. The economy was no longer booming. That commodities boom was slowing right down. And increasing evidence was emerging of corruption uh, on an absolutely huge scale. It had become the norm, really, in Brazilian politics and business that if you run a state company and you want a decent contract, uh, you have to bribe a politician or two sometimes to the tune of several million dollars, to get that contract. And, I mean, I tell you, I was actually living in Brazil during that time, and a contact of mine was a French business person who I remember him telling me shortly after I arrived in Brazil, it's quite extraordinary, you know, not only just to 
get the contract in the first place, but actually to keep it running along, you have to pay off these politicians. And some companies had pretty much entire bribery departments almost openly where that happened. That is remarkable. Just talk us through some of the biggest scandals that personally involved Lula and and not just the whole administration. What were the accusations that were placed at his door? There was a huge investigation. Uh, it started off, it was called Mensalao, which means a sort of monthly payoff to politicians. Then there was another one called Operation Car Wash. Great uh, name. Yeah, that was linked to, to the fact that it was seen in a petrol station, which also had a car wash, that uh, cash was exchanging hands. Lula was not part of this directly or wasn't captured directly during the main part of it. But there was no question that prosecutors had their eye on him. And eventually, there was two incidents, really. One was a apartment by the sea, quite near Sao Paulo, which allegedly belonged to Lula and his wife, and allegedly an engineering company had paid to the tune of a few million dollars to do up that apartment. And Lula never quite had a good answer of what was really going on. He was prosecuted, he was convicted, and he was jailed in 2018. These were dramatic times, and particularly because of the timing. Brazil was due for a presidential election. He became the candidate on the hope and assumption that he might be released, but he wasn't. So he had to sit out that election in 2018 in his police cell while Bolsonaro got elected. Coming up, how did Lula go from prison to president? And will he be able to save the Amazon? That's after a quick message from a colleague. I'm Christina Lamb. I'm chief foreign correspondent of the Sunday Times, and I mostly cover conflict around the world. I particularly focus on what happens to women in war. And the reason that we can do this kind of reporting is thanks to the subscribers of The Times and Sunday Times. So please subscribe today by visiting thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist. 
specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. In 2018, Lula had gone from being the most popular leader in the world to serving a 12-year jail sentence for corruption. But that wasn't the end of his story. He was released in November 2019, and he was released really on a technicality that his lawyers successfully argued that he had been tried in the wrong jurisdiction. Then in 2020, the Supreme Court annulled all his convictions. There was more than one one of the things they said was that the judge who had sort of led the whole prosecution process, that's how it works in Brazil, was biased. With a bit of justification for that, because the judge, Sergio Moro, went on to become justice minister in the Bolsonaro government. So he, he clearly sort of was on the Bolsonaro side. Mm. But it is controversial. Lula, you thief, you belong in prison, they chant. Opponents of Lula's do insist his convictions were null, but he was never sort of proved innocent. The Lula side will say, well, you're innocent until proved guilty. But it does mean that there is this sort of slightly tainted issue that does surround the president-elect. And then here we are in 2022, despite going to prison, despite never having been proved innocent necessarily, he's become president. How did that happen? Is this somehow, a, is it a testament to his character, to his personality? Yes, he's a formidable character. I mean, bear in mind where he came from, what he's done. Anyone who's met him, one of the things they say is he is phenomenally charming. Whatever your politics, whatever your background, he's brilliant at sort of breaking the ice. And there are reams of stories about that. One diplomat here, he tells me a, a great story of when the then Russian president Medvedev was here for a state banquet. Lula was hours late. It was quite awkward for those there. And then in walks Lula, gives the Russian president a big hug and says, you know what, if I was you, I wouldn't have waited for me. A joke that totally broke the ice and everyone sort of thought... Who else would dare say this to this rather scary Russian president? But uh, Lula could do anything. And Stephen, in this election, what were Lula's main policies? 
this campaign has been really interesting because it's been very polarised and it hasn't really focused on policies. On the Bolsonaro side, you've heard, do not let this country go back into the hands of these thieves and these communists. On the Lula side, you've said this is a battle for decency, a battle for democracy, the last chance for Brazil to get rid of, of Bolsonaro or he may try and be in power forever. So not a whole lot of detail on policy, but on the economy, you know, he's mm. talked about higher welfare spending, bigger in investment in infrastructure, but at the same time, fiscal responsibility. Where did he stand in the election campaign on the Amazon, on all the things that people were so afraid of Bolsonaro controlling? Well, the interesting thing is that while the Amazon issue has been the total focus from outside Brazil, in terms of the domestic campaign, it's been barely mentioned, just, you know, one or two times in debates, because this is a huge, complicated country where a whole lot of people have other priorities and where the big populations are a long, long way from the Amazon. But the moment Lula won the election, he gave a address to his supporters in a Sao Paulo hotel. And there he immediately started talking quite a lot about the environment. Brazil and the planet need a living Amazon. A standing tree is worth more than a ton of wood extracted illegally by those who think only of easy profit at the expense of the deterioration of life on Earth. I think knowing that is the big issue for global leaders who were all about to phone in and congratulate him and he wanted to make it clear he was going to change policy radically towards the environment. So what he said is his administration will take a zero tolerance of deforestation. Uh, he's got a very highly respected former environment minister, Marina Silva, who's respected throughout the world on her policies. But it's going to be difficult more difficult than in his first term, because what's happened over the last decade or even two decades is the Amazon has become a totally, in many parts, lawless place. So mm. to clamp down on the very powerful mafias, really, that operate there, who do the logging, who traffic drugs, who traffic animals and illegally poach fish, all the rest of it, yeah. that's a big thing to turn. And given sort of both that lawlessness and the inability to control a lot of the factors on the ground in the Amazon, but also the amount of damage that's already been done, I mean, how easy will it be to reverse the environmental damage? Yeah, I mean, deforestation is extremely difficult to reverse. Um, most environmentalists I've been speaking to in the last few days, they say, look, we don't think that Lula is going to save the planet, but we think that he might be able to at least reduce the rate of deforestation. And just that gives them and, and perhaps the rest of the world a little bit of hope. And Stephen, on Sunday, we found out who had won the election. What happened to Bolsonaro's supporters in the country? How did they respond? Well, there was an interesting sort of hardcore corner of his supporters, which are lorry drivers in this country. And they, within hours, started blockading roads all over Brazil. They thought Bolsonaro should have won. And as he hadn't won, they assumed there had been a fraud. 
até os caminhões podem embora. In charge, Giuliano, the shooting instructor, who set out his demands. Eu quero que as forças armadas tomem o poder. I want the military to take power. It's not ideal, but it's a million times better than Lula's Communist Party. The next day, the authorities started trying to clear those protests without a whole lot of messing around, really. They got out the pepper spray and also started threatening to impose very serious fines to try and clear the way as soon as possible. How did Bolsonaro react to losing? He said absolutely nothing. Not a tweet, not a comment, total silence. He did finally emerge two days later. Tell us what he said. That's right. I mean, an extraordinary period of silence. And then on Tuesday, he called journalists and diplomats to listen to him. And he spoke for just two minutes. And what he did was he didn't quite concede, but he did say that he was going to stand down effectively without actually uttering those words. He said... He had always respected the constitution, would always work within its boundaries. As manifestações pacíficas sempre serão bem-vindas. He talked a bit about the ongoing protests. He said their grievances were understandable, while also saying that violent protests were not something he or the conservative side of politics supports. And then he just that was it. He walked off without answering any questions. But his chief of staff then went straight up to the podium to talk to the sort of shocked journalist. And he said, mm. OK, yeah, we're going to start the transition process now. That's so interesting. So the concession came in the footnotes from this chief of staff rather than his own speech. Do we think he spent those two days trying to work out if he could appeal, if he could set up a challenge to the result? That seems to be probably what happened. Uh, people in Brasilia say that his advisors, two of which are his sons, basically said, this is impossible, you've got to concede. One of the things that really put Bolsonaro totally in the corner was the weeks and months before this result, diplomats had been talking to each other and to their foreign capitals and saying, Right, if Lula wins, we need to give a message extremely quickly that we recognise that victory and we recognise that the election was free and fair to try and stop Bolsonaro doing any kind of funny business. And that was very apparent in the minutes really after the result. So many world leaders immediately dialed in and said, Congratulations to Lula. Bonjour, Monsieur le Président Macron. Ah, bonjour. Comment ça va, Président? Félicitations. And uh, that left Bolsonaro in a really difficult situation. Can you say this wasn't a free and fair election when Biden and China and Russia and Europe have all already congratulated your opponent? And it was clever of the rest of uh, you know the diplomatic corps to, to recognise they didn't want this to turn into a Trump-like situation. Does that mean, though, you know, rather like Trump? What happens to the people in the country who are angry? What happens to those protests? Do they go away after his statement? I think that what will happen is perhaps some of the polarisation will diminish a bit, but he has got to confront this hardcore of Bolsonaro supporters who've been told during this campaign that this is about good versus evil. The evangelical movement has been repeatedly given the message 
that Lula isn't so far off from being the devil. I think that the real thing Bolsonaro has done is prove that there is a movement within Brazil of conservative evangelical movement. And he's actually in a quite a powerful position. During these elections, there were also Congress votes and governor votes. He now has three of the most popular, populous states in the country, Sao Paulo, Rio de Janeiro and Minas Gerais, are all led by governors that are on the Bolsonaro side. The Congress is pretty full of people who are sympathetic to him. And there's plenty of possibilities for um, him to stand again in 2026. So he doesn't really want to burn the entire house down and prevent that happening. You explained how world leaders immediately jumped in to congratulate Lula on, on his victory. Why was this election seen as so important outside of Brazil? This is the fourth biggest democracy in the world, the 12th largest economy. What happens in Brazil does matter. And there were fears that if this didn't go smoothly, democracy could be a threat. But the key was because Bolsonaro was seen as a threat not only to the environmental situation in his country, but to the world itself. A lot of people were saying, now he's not going to be president. The lungs of the world can breathe again. That might be overdoing it. As we've said, it's not going to be a particularly easy thing to reverse. But we're going to see Lula trying to govern in a situation where he's got the former president, we imagine, lurking in the shadows. So does that mean this isn't necessarily the last we've seen of Bolsonaro? Oh, I definitely think uh, it's not the last we've seen of him. One interesting little detail about this is he's been in politics for over 30 years and he'd never lost an election. He was a congressman for a long time before he stood to be president. So I think it was a bit of a shock to him to actually lose. And let's see, it might make him think, right, I don't want to end on a, on a downer. I'm going to try and come back and be elected again one day. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, Latin America correspondent at The Times and The Sunday Times, Stephen Gibbs. You can find all of Stephen's work at thetimes.co.uk with a subscription or in print. The producer today was Sam Chantarasak. The executive producer is Kate Ford, and sound design was by David Crackles. Thanks for listening. Have a lovely weekend. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.